Today we begin our study called the Monarch of Books. Why we use the King James Bible and why the King James Bible is our final authority. Uh, follow along with me in your introduction and we'll just dive right into this. Before we can even get into issues regarding Bible translations, versions, and manuscripts, we have to address a key contextual concept that will set the overall tone. When it comes to this overall topic, the primary issue is not Bible versions and translations. That must be a key component of your thought process and in the conversations you have with people. It's not about which Bible version, but rather having a final authority. A final authority can be simply defined as one source of absolute truth. There's two schools of thought, really, if you want to take notes somewhere on your study sheet. There's two schools of thought today. You have absolute truth and you have relative truth. Anybody know the difference? Absolute truth is always right. And relative truth is right to the person. Exactly. Right to the person that's saying it, right concerning their situation. Think of it as objective versus subjective. An example of absolute truth. Two plus two is what? Four. It will never be any other number. It will never be something else. Two plus two will always be four. Even from the moral standpoint, a moral front, murder is either right or it's wrong. Rape is either right or it's wrong. There is no subjective truth. Well, no, it's just depending upon the situation. No, no, no matter what the situation is, absolute truth dictates that those two things are always wrong, no matter what. There is absolute truth. There is a push in college universities and even in some churches today to try to push away from absolute truth and push everything towards relative truth. But that's because nobody has a final authority anymore. Did I finish that sentence? I don't think I did. Final authority can be simply defined as one source for absolute truth for all matters pertaining to temporal and eternal life. When one claims the Bible is their final authority, they are saying that their life is completely directed by what the Bible says. Whatever the Bible says, I believe. Whatever the Bible tells me to do, I obey. Now listen, you're going to see this today. Don't think of this, as this Sunday morning today as just a, a generic introduction to a class. I'm going to show you a couple of things today. It's going to get me a little riled up, so I might get to preaching. And seeing as how I don't see uh, uh, many uh, guests that are different from the Wednesday night crew to the Sunday night crew, I might not finish at 9.55 like I said I was going to. That's neither here nor there. What? You'll get to worship by 11. You guys have to beware on this issue. You have to beware of the books you read of commentaries, even if it's a godly commentator, which do you like the new bookshelf over here? We have a couple of commentaries written by godly men who believe the same things we do. But if you're not careful, the words of those men will become your final authority rather than the Bible itself. There's a lot of people where they go wrong, even if it is King James, or even if it is a Bible believing person, that will become their final authority. 
which by the way, we're gonna treat this like a library, so don't just take it. You have to check with me first. I have a method to shame you if you keep that book or if you lose that book for too long. More on that later. You have to be careful with YouTube pastors or Instagram pastors that you watch and listen to. Even if they use a King James Bible, you have to watch the things they say don't become your final authority over the Word of God. Continuing. There are many that claim that the Bible is their final authority while their daily life speaks a different story. We're not just talking doctrinal issues here. We're talking daily practical living. If you say you believe the Bible, but you are not living as such, then the Bible is not your final authority. This goes beyond doctrinal into the devotional. This is key. When convenient, the Bible is their final authority, like if they need to win an argument. But then it is quickly and easily replaced by other people, other books, cultural trends, and most times by themselves. If a Christian desires to be successful in God's eyes, the, this issue must be securely nailed down. Or this issue must be securely nailed. Sorry, I guess I didn't proofread that. Must be securely nailed down in their life. So part one, the concept of a final authority. What do we mean by that? Point one, everything in life falls under some kind of authority structure. And when that authority structure is not respected and followed, chaos and consequences ensues. This is fundamental. God put this in our Bible again and again for a reason. Look with me in verse one of Romans chapter 13. Paul's writing, he says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. Talking on this earth, earthly authority. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whether it's your parents, whether it's your teachers, whether it's your principals, whether it's your bosses, whether it's your youth leaders, whether it's your pastors, whether it's certain police officers that you may or may not like because you like to get away going, living outside of the law, outside the boundaries of the law. Whosoever, therefore, verse 2, resisteth the power, resisteth the order, the order, or, sorry, resisteth the ordinance of who? And when you do that, look at the consequence. They that resist shall receive to themselves what? Now, he's not talking about damnation of your soul here. He's just talking about punishment that comes. If you go outside the bounds of the law and the laws that have been dictated by local municipalities, by governments, federal level, you go outside those bounds, you're going to pay the consequences for it. You do the same thing with your parents. You do the same thing with your teachers. If you resist their laws, their governing, you're going to be punished for it. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. Understand, these authorities are here in our lives to help us. Even if they're lost heathenistic men who run our, our government, our state, our city, they're here for a purpose, to execute God's will. Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2. He's saying the exact same thing. I won't tell you guys the context, but this is the passage that we use talking about, remember, Nero was the king at the time that Peter's writing this. He says in verse 13, Submit yourselves to what? Yeah. 
every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the what? The will of God. You know, Stephen right now, Pastor Stephen right now on the Wednesday nights, uh, he's teaching over the seven wills of God. This is one of them. How you submit to authorities in this life dictates whether or not you're in the will of God. Let me put that another way. If you are resisting the authorities in your life, parents, teachers, the structure, the, the overall structure of how school or work or the government is set up, if you are resisting or disobeying or not heeding to those ordinances, you are outside of the will of God. Simply put, turn back to Acts chapter 19. <clears throat> Acts chapter 19 is a powerful chapter. Paul is preaching, talking about this worship of this false mother goddess Diana. This false mother goddess of Diana who is called Diana to the Ephesians and is known in Greek culture as being the goddess of fertility, sex, also the goddess of war. And as you study how she was called in different areas, in different cultures, she goes by many different names, but it doesn't matter which culture you study, what name she goes by in that culture, she's known for two things, a lot of immorality and a lot of bloodshed. And there was a worship over this mother goddess. You see, she wasn't just an ordinary mother goddess. She was a mother goddess who gave a virgin birth to a savior in their culture. And Paul's coming against this religious system that's going on here. And eventually, as there's all this stirring up going on, verse 35, there's a town clerk who shows up. And when the town clerk had appeased the people, he said, Ye men of Ephesus, what man is there that knoweth not how that the city of the Ephesians is a worshiper of the great goddess Diana and of the image? She has an image. She has this image that's been venerated of her, that's been worshipped, and maybe even hangs up in the walls of certain people's houses. And they'll offer prayers unto her. But note where this image fell down from. Fell down from Jupiter. Not the planet. The God Jupiter. Who was the all-encompassing, almighty God in their culture. You see, this virgin mother goddess, she came from God himself. And was worshipped. So this town clerk, this ordinance of man comes forth and he's like, hey, let's put this to rest. And he's trying to appease the people. He says, seeing then that these things cannot be spoken against, ye ought to be quiet and to do nothing rashly. And he says to the people, ye have brought hither these men, Paul, the apostles, the disciples. He says, which are neither robbers of what? Churches. Nor yet blasphemers of your goddess. So here we see an ordinance of man getting involved in a civil dispute and the townspeople obeyed. I could have just used this as a cross-reference and told you to check it out later since we already looked at 1 Peter 2 and, and what was the other one? Romans 13. There's a reason as a little sub point as to why I hit this one. See there where it says, 
that these men, Paul the apostles, they're not robbers of churches, nor yet blasphemers of your goddess. Of interesting note, if you were to look this verse up in other Bible versions, here's how it'll read. I have up here <clears throat> the top five Bible versions in America right now. King James, King James is actually number four on the list. The NIV, the New Living Translation, which is used by many Catholics, the ESV and the CSB. You guys probably talk with a lot of kids at your school that use one of those two versions at the end, specifically the ESV. Here's how each and every single one of them read as this verse. Ye have brought these men here, though they have neither robbed temples nor blasphemed our goddess. Ye have brought these men here, New Living Translation, but they have stolen nothing from the temple and have not spoken against our goddess. Temple being the key word. ESV, you have brought these men here who are neither sacrilegious nor blasphemers of our goddess. No mention of a place of worship. No mention of a temple or a church. CSB, for ye have brought these men here who are not temple robbers or blasphemers of our God. You look up every translation on the market and the King James is the only one that says the word churches. Why? Why is that? This is just a little bit of a taste of what's to come. We'll discuss the reason why, but maybe, just maybe it's because God is very interested in having people know that there is a place where a pagan mother goddess who is venerated and has her image venerated, sent down from God above, is worshipped because of the virgin birth that she gave to her son, and she is worshipped and called mother. And maybe it's that God wants you to know that even though it is a pagan goddess, she's worshipped in a place called church. That's something that you don't get anywhere else. Just a little teaser for you. See, here's the point. Going back to your study sheet here. There's an authority structure no matter where you go, and it is supposed to be respected and followed, otherwise chaos ensues. If it's like this in the home, if, this like, if it's like this at school, if it's like this on your teams, if it's like this at work, etc., why would it be any different with God? That is key and crucial to your understanding. And if you're wanting to convince anybody else as to why this is important, it's key that you communicate that with them. So hopefully you guys are awake enough that you're taking notes so that you know exactly how to talk to them. See, if you have issues submitting to these authorities in your life, it's not going to be any different with the Word of God. If you have issues submitting to any other authority figure in your life, you are going to have issues with submitting to the Word of God, period. That's how he works. That's why he sets forth patterns in his Word. Very, very simple. You see, how this breaks down further is you have pastors, churches, social media influencers, etc. They'll use multiple different Bible versions because it helps illustrate their point. See, they'll use the ESV on one verse on slide three, but then on slide four, they'll use the NIV because they like the way that word is worded better or because it's worded more to fit their narrative and what they want to get across. But they won't just stop with Bible versions. They'll go to the catechisms. They'll go to the writings of the church fathers. They'll go to works of other men. Those are multiple authorities. 
you must come to the realization where we have a single soul final authority. That's why you will hear me say, it does not matter what I say. It does not matter what any pastor says. All that matters is our final authority. We get everything we say from what this book says. Is that clear? That's crucial. These are resources. As I said, if you are not careful, these can become your final authority. Even if they use the King James Bible. Just because they say this is the meaning behind this verse, have you checked that into yourself? Have you implemented the 15 rules of Bible study? You need to look into it yourself. This book needs to be your final authority. This is where so many other pastors get in trouble. You see, if we're going to multiple sources, you ultimately become the final authority. Point two. You see, ultimately, God is the final authority over all things. Isaiah 45, 23 says, I have sworn by myself, the word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return. That unto me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. And he repeats this in Romans 14 and Philippians chapter 2. Here's the thing. It says here that his word is gone out of his mouth. What he has spoken is out of his mouth and it's not going to return. It's not like a boomerang where his word goes out and it's going to return back unto him. Bible says that in multiple areas, his word doesn't return back void. So here's the thing. If his word has proceeded out of his mouth, it must be somewhere. It has to be somewhere. The question is, where is it? Understand something. We're not talking about getting as close as we can to his word. We're not talking about getting as humanly close as possible to the principles of what his word says. We're not talking about trying to get as close as we can and just hope that we get the general gist of what he meant when he said it. We are going after his very word. We are talking about his very word because it's what he's talking about. He didn't say my principles. He didn't say Oh, the concepts of the Christian life are gone out of my mouth. No, he said the word, the individual word. If the individual word proceeded out of his mouth, it needs to be somewhere. So where is it? I decided to add something into this message last night. I decided, huh, I know what we believe. You guys probably have a general idea of what we believe. But what about some of the other churches in the Stark County area? What do they believe? So I decided to look some of them up. Again, we're talking about God's word going out of his mouth and not returning so it has to be somewhere. Where is it? So I did some research and I went to churches' websites and I went to their About Us page and what they believe. And I found a couple things. Here's a church that's in the local area. In fact, you could even venture to say this is the largest per church in our area through different satellite places and operations that they have. About the Bible. The Bible is the absolute truth. Awesome. If we just stop there, they're on board with us. The Bible is the source of truth about the origin and purpose of the human race and reveals the nature of our divine creator. 
It communicates God's perfect standards concerning human life and is the truth by which every person will be judged. I like it so far. We believe the Bible was written. Oh, so his words are found in the Bible. Awesome. I like these guys. We believe the Bible was written under the guidance of God himself, that it contains no errors in the original texts, and that it is sure, safe, and reliable in all matters when appropriately read and interpreted. It contains no errors. The Bible has no errors in the original texts. I don't know about you. I I hate to break it to you guys. I'm not wealthy. I know all of you thought I was a billionaire. I'm not. I look like Bruce Wayne, but I'm not really Bruce Wayne. This, what I have here in my hands, this is not the original text. Handed down straight from God on the mountain to Moses. This isn't it. Shot in the dark. I don't think what you guys have is the original either. Here's another one. I know it's a little bit tight to read, but I'll, I'll go ahead and read it. Uh, and I'll just say this. Now's a good time to say this. Uh, just for the sake of this, I, I don't want you guys to lose the, po the point of why I'm doing this. That's the reason why I don't have up here or what the church is because that'll then become the focus of this message and I don't want that to. But just so you guys know, if you have any questions or if anybody's listening online, I have the receipts to all of these. I have no problem whatsoever sending you the link as to where these are at. It took me like all of 15 minutes to do this. You guys can too. But this is a local church in the area. Here's what they say. We believe that there is one God eternally existing as the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We accept the Bible as the fully inspired inerrant, that means without errors, word of God and our final authority. And then it goes on to say, we believe that human beings are created in God's image, so they're, they're moving on. All right, so goodness, they actually said the phrase final authority, and I've only ever heard that here at FBCJ, so man, they must be on bar with us. This is their About Us page where it says, here's our belief, our doctrinal statement. One of the things that I will forever be thankful for for my uh, limited college education into studying history is that you never just take things at face value. Sometimes you gotta go digging. And if you know exactly where to look and what to search for on their own website, you'll find something rather interesting. This is their doctrinal statement that they have on their About Us page. But some churches, if you go a little bit deeper, they will have something called the church constitution. Or they will have their articles of faith where it goes a little bit deeper. Not on the front page, mind you. Not on one of the little sub pages, no. You might have to search for it or you might have to look at one of the tiny little links on the bottom of the page. And on this same church website, here is a doctrinal statement. We accept the word of God, that is the scriptures, as our authority in matters of faith and practice and adopt the following doctrinal statement as our interpretation of Bible doctrine. We believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testament as fully inspired of God and inerrant. Yeah, they said that up here. In the original writings. 
and that they are of supreme and final authority. So help me out. What is really their final authority? They said the term. They said it's the scriptures. But where? Which scriptures? The original texts. You understand that when we talk about original texts and what they mean in original text is we just read a letter from Paul in Romans. We just read a letter from Peter. They're talking about when Paul actually wrote on that parchment paper because that's the original. That's the first one. Anybody here go to Washington, D.C. and find in the museum Paul's original text that he wrote to the Romans? Hmm. Anybody have that in your... No? Okay. Let's go to another one. The Bible is God's inspired and only written revelation of man. It is true, authoritative, sufficient, without error. And then it has some scripture references. Man, I love seeing some scripture references for it. But again, not really a lot of detail, not really a lot of information. But in their doctrinal constitution that you have to search for, we believe that the Bible, consisting of both the Old and New Testaments, is the inspired, God-breathed, Word of God. That every part, historical, poetical, doctrinal, prophetical, instructional, is fully and equally inspired. And that every word... All right, I like that. Was produced under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We believe that a consistent, literal, grammatical, historical, and method of interpretation should be followed. We also accept the Bible in its entirety as being without error in the original writings. Therefore, we are committed to the Bible as our final authority. For all Christian life and faith. And then this church started another church in the North Canton area, and here's their core belief the Bible is God's inspired, infallible, inerrant Word of God. Once again, go deeper. <laughs> now I put this in here because if you were to look at their church constitution, this is point number two. Point number one. It was the article of faith for anybody who becomes a member in their church. I included this on here because the article number one of affirmation for people joining the church is different than if you want to be a leader in their church. If you want to be a leader, here's what you have to agree to when you become a leader. The statement of faith that must be affirmed in its entirety in order to serve in a leadership position at blank blank church. That means elder, pastor, staff, community, group leader, etc. Leader furthermore agrees not to oppose or teach anything contrary to what is contained in this affirmation of faith. The scriptures, the Bible, consisting of 66 books of the Old and New Testaments, is the inspired word of God, and every part of it is fully and equally inspired. Liking it so far. Different men utilizing their own styles and personality under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, for sure. Recorded God's very words without error. Amen. In the original writings, ah, oh, poop. <laughs> we are therefore committed to the Bible as the final authority. This next one shocked me. 
We believe the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testament to be the verbally and plenary inspired Word of God. More on that in the weeks to come. Furthermore, we believe that the Holy Scriptures, as originally written, do not only contain and convey the Word of God, but is the very Word of God. Holy Scriptures is the Word of God. Remember, God's Word came forth out of His mouth. It's not going to return. It has to be somewhere. His very Word is the Word of God, as originally written. The scriptures are inerrant, infallible, and God-breathed, and therefore are the final authority for faith and life. That's a Baptist church that uses a King James Bible. Greentown Baptist... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Calm down. We believe that the Bible is the Word of God and is the only complete and final revelation of the will of God to man. The Holy Bible written by men inspired by the Holy Spirit is infallible and has pre been preserved inherent by God. Now this church is throwing in something different. Now we're talking about, hey, we're not going to the original writings. We're talking about God preserving His Word throughout time, keeping it safe, keeping it intact, keeping it pure without harm. Due to reasons of textual reliability, we believe God through divine providence has preserved his word for English-speaking peoples in the authorized version, otherwise referred to as the King James Version of the Bible. The Bible is divinely inspired, final authority for every age and every life. By Holy Bible, we mean the 66 books. By inspired, we mean the books of the Bible. Man, you know what? I love this doctrinal statement, if only just for the details itself. What an awesome church. That should be, that'd be a great church to go to. And then they even go into talking about what preserved means. We mean that God through the ages has, in his divine providence, preserved his complete inerrant word and conveyed the same to English-speaking peoples through the authorized version, King James Bible 1611. Man, that's an awesome... You guys should go to that church. Spoiler alert, that one's ours. Vastly different? No. Look, even going into... And, and Greentown's same doctrinal statement. We go into what each word means. That way, if some common Joe Schmo <coughs> visits our website, wants to know what we believe, it's not going to be lost on him. What does that word mean? What does that word mean? And we break it all down. You know what we don't believe? That God's word is only contained in the original texts. I've been hinting at it, but just for the sake of really driving the nail home, does everybody know the reason why we don't believe that God's Word is only contained in the original manuscripts? Beautiful! Exactly! By the way, Noah wants to commit an artwork piece to the art, art board. He says he's very talented in that. I believe him. He actually is. I've seen his art. No, he is. I've seen his art. Were they finger paintings? Anywho, before you all digress, I'm trying to stay on track here. Noah's right. Listen, you guys realize that the original text that Moses got from God of the Ten Commandments was destroyed by Moses himself when he came down from the mountain? And he took the Ten Commandments and threw them to the ground because he saw the Israelites were sinning? So you know what he had to do? He had to go back up his way to the mountain and get a copy 
that preserved God's word. You know what happened to all of Paul and Peter's writings? They were written on papyrus, pages thinner than this. And as they wrote out the Bible, and as they would pass it to that church, and then that church would make their own copy and pass it to that church, and I would go to that church and this church, the pages start to get worn. Got news for you. There are no originals anymore. Nowhere. Nobody has them. If they would, the challenge is open. Produce it. Show me where they are. No one has ever been able to do that. So here's the point. If your final authority, if you believe that God's words, God's words that proceeded out of his mouth have went and they're not returning to him, they got to be somewhere. If you believe that they were contained only in the original texts, then all of us are up a creek without a paddle because we don't have God's word. None of us have God's word if that's the case. None of us have the Bible. None of us can know what God really meant. So what would that do to you as, a, as a, someone who goes to church? <sighs> well, how do I know what God's will is for my life? How do I know where God wants me to go to college? How do I know who God wants me to date? If it's not here in his word and if I can't know him, if I can't know his character, if I can't know his qualities, if I can't know his attributes, if I can't know what he wants from me. Oh, well, you see, I went to college and I went to Bible seminary school and I studied the original languages. And so I know exactly what God meant and I'm able to help you which is why so many churches are failing and dying off along with what we're talking about on Wednesday nights because they're all dependent upon the man behind the pulpit. And if that's the kind of faith that we have, what's the point of even reading this if it's not even really God's word to begin with? Ugh, but you know what? There are those cranky Bible-believing Baptists that teach this book and they teach what the book means. But sometimes people who go to the church get disgruntled and they might come visit our church. So we have to find a way to appease them and make it appear as though, yes, we believe in the final authority of Scripture. After all, just look at our doctrinal statement. Just because somebody says something doesn't mean they are. Doesn't mean they do it. You just got five examples of what final authority means to other churches in this area. Kids you go to school with. You probably know more about their church now than they do. You have an opportunity now to have a conversation with them. Final authority matters. God's word needs to be somewhere. Where is it? You see, all throughout Scripture, men and women have always allowed God and His words to be their final authority. Again, it's not a matter of semantics. This is where religion, this is where churches can get very, very sneaky. 
This is where social media influencers and listening to a guy preaching a King James Bible online can get very, very sneaky if you're not careful. What do they really believe? Who is really their final authority? You see, all of these examples that are here on the study sheet, man, these people had no problem trusting the literal words of God. Not what some other person thought God meant. Not what was contained in something that no longer exists anymore. No, the actual words of God. God had this to say about Abraham in Genesis 18, 19. I know him, that he, Abraham, will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord. Why? How do you know that? That the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken. God's going to fulfill what he spoke unto Abraham, and Abraham's going to keep the way. Why would God have such confidence in Abraham to do that? Well, because of what happened a few chapters before. Genesis 15, 1. These things, after these things, the what? Word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. He then goes on to explain to Abraham how, man, he's going to take all... You see the stars in the sky? I'm going to make your seed innumerable just like those stars abraham's response verse six he believed he believed the word and god counted it to him for righteous righteousness sake that's what romans 4 3 says you ought to memorize romans 4 3 because not only is it a beautiful verse about this not only is it a great verse about what genuine salvation is but it's also a verse that helps illustrate this whole entire point of final authority. Romans 4.3 is a quote of verse 6. Abraham believed God and he counted it to him for righteousness. If you are unrighteous in your sin, believe the word of God, believe the gospel, and you will be counted righteousness. But Romans 4.3 has a beautiful question right before it. For what saith the scripture? doesn't matter what man or what church says salvation is. What saith the scripture? What's the final authority on the matter? Next, Paul. I love this. Paul gets converted here in Acts chapter 9. He was trembling, astonished. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? This is Paul's salvation story. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Years later, in Acts chapter 26, as Paul's recounting his testimony, he says to King Agrippa about this vision, I was not disobedient to it. God said it, I did it. What's God saying to you? What are you doing on your day-to-day -day life? Are you obedient to the Word of God? Is the Word of God your final authority? The Bereans, Acts 17.11, is a core monument verse. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Why? In that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures, how often? Whether those things were so. I got news for you. This persecuted church in Thessalonica, the, church, the, the Christians in Berea, they did not have the original texts that Moses wrote of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They didn't have that. They didn't have that. This poor church, this poor persecuted church, it's been two years, but we've covered church history in here. You guys know what was happening for the span of about 1,500 years? If there was a Bible, it got burnt. Anybody had manuscripts? It got burnt. 
you were in copy or possession of a Bible, you got burnt. You don't think Satan could have eradicated all of this stuff decades, century, nay, millennium ago? Of course he could have. Of course he could have. We don't have the originals anymore. That's why we believe God preserved his word without error. Somewhere. Somewhere. And we're at least open enough to tell you about it. And last, Jesus. You can check out Matthew 4 when he's being tempted by Satan. What was his defense? It is written. It is written. It is written. You follow the rest of Christ's life. Not only the word that God the Father passed down to him, not only did he obey it, but he fulfilled certain prophecies. One of which, you might want to add this to your notes because it's not in there, Mark 15, 28. And the scripture was fulfilled. Jesus was obedient to the word of God, which saith, and he was numbered with the transgressors. Gee, Corey, that's an interesting, weird one to put on there. Yeah, here's the reason for it. NIV, footnote. Some Greek manuscripts exclude this verse. New Living Translation, footnote, some Greek manuscripts exclude this verse. ESV, footnote, some Greek manuscripts exclude this verse. CSB, footnote, some Greek manuscripts, <laughs> anybody want to finish the sentence? Exclude this verse. You realize in all those Bibles, a fulfilled prophecy of Scripture proving Jesus Christ to be God is completely missing in those Bibles. Why? Oh, because there are some manuscripts in Greek written in a dead language that nobody speaks anymore didn't have it. We do believe the Bible is the inspired final authority in the original texts. But I don't speak Greek. And I don't have manuscripts from 700, 1,000, 1,500 years ago. More on the 700 years ago thing in future weeks. I just have mine in English. And I believe that it's God's word. I believe that when he said his word went out of his mouth, it didn't go back. And it's somewhere, somewhere that I can read it. And coincidentally, in these last days before the rapture happens, just about anybody on planet Earth can read it too as English is the universal language of the entire world. Go to any airport, anywhere in the world. Conduct business with any company anywhere in the world. Are you familiar with many countries that teach English as a second language? Not hit as hard here in the States for another language because English is the universal language. I think it's because God wants his name known. You see, no doubt most of you guys in this room know this, and, I, and I, I believe that even some of you that are listening online, you guys get this. You guys see these people obeying the words of God. And as we just saw a little bit ago, most of the churches in this area, quote unquote, believe this too. Yes, God's people obeyed his words. But point number four on your study sheet as we close, this is where we all part ways. Here's the difference. And you've got to get this in your thinking before we go forward. God's nature, 
his very nature, who he actually is, his being, his, his attributes, who God is, his nature requires there to be a single, might want to underline that, a consistent, might want to underline that, final authority for his people. I've given you just a little taste, a sampler platter, if you will, of what some other Bibles out there have to say and how completely vast and different they are. Think about the illustration I gave you at the beginning of the lesson. Even these other Bibles don't even agree with each other. You remember when it came to the, the robbers of churches versus robbers of temples? Remember how the ESV didn't even say either? Doesn't say either place of worship just says sacrilegious that they're not the same they don't even match up with each other if god's word is somewhere it can't be in multiple locations that all say something different but don't take my word for it whatever you do don't take my word for it let's go to the scripture 1 Samuel 2.2. 2. Turn there. This will go quick, and we'll wrap up. But be ready to flip. Sword drill time. 1 Samuel 2.2. 2. It is God's nature for there to be a single, consistent final authority. Not multiple final authorities. Mostly because that's grammatically incorrect. Secondly, just not his nature. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 2. Hannah's praying. And here's her prayer. There is none holy as the Lord. For there is none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. Why say it like that? Because in Deuteronomy 32, verse 4, it says he is the rock. Singular. His work, singular, is perfect. For all his ways, well, those are plural, are judgment. Look it up in a lexicon. You'll find judgment there is singular. But I don't even need a lexicon because my Bible's in English. Judgment is singular. There are not a rocks, just like there is not a lambs. No, there are a lambs. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the ways thereof lead unto death. There are many different ways to heaven out there, but they're going to lead people to perish in hell for all of eternity. There are many different saviors, lambs, but there is only the lamb. There are many different rocks, but there is only the rock. His work, singular, is perfect. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. Psalm 138. This is a hallmark verse you have to be well acquainted with. Psalm 138, verse 2. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. We just saw it in Isaiah that at the name of Christ, Philippians 2.10 says at the name of Christ, every knee shall bow above 
the earth, on the earth, and yes, even under the earth. Every knee will bow one day when that name of Jesus Christ, that all-powerful name, and it is in that very name, yours and my eternity forever changed. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In spite of that, for thou hast magnified, blown up, zoomed in, thy what? Word above all thy name. Does God not want his name known all throughout the earth? Does God not have you in the schools that you're in with the talents you have to reach the people in your sphere of influence because he wants the name manifest? We just saw that on Wednesday night, John 17, verse 6. The name manifested to everybody. Yes, God wants to be known. But he tells us here in verse 2 that he wants to be known by his word. Not by any visions in the sky anymore. Not by dreams anymore. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, hath in times past spoken to us through the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. That is how the book of Hebrews starts out. By his Son. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. His Son is how He speaks to us. That is how He is known. He is the rock. His work is perfect. His name and His Word. Who He is and His Word. Singular. Consistent. That's why Numbers 23.12 says... God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said and shall he not do it? If two of his Bibles, if they are his words, say something different, then he's a liar. There may be some Bibles, there might be some churches where like, yep, you know what? The ESV, that is our Bible, that is our final authority. We go with that Bible version. It may be single for them, but it sure ain't consistent with some of the errors that are through it, some of the verses that are missing. And there are other churches where they might have a Bible that is consistent all the way out. They don't, by the way. But they're the ones who, I like how it's worded in this version. I like how it's worded in that version. It's not single. God's very character and nature. When he speaks, He's going to do it. He's not going to contradict himself. He's not going to lie. He's the rock. It's in his nature. Psalm chapter 12. So when he says that, flip over to Psalm 12. When he says something like that, that should cause you to do something with his promises that he gives you. This is why for any of you guys struggling with anything in this room, Maybe you have a fear of abandonment. Maybe you have a fear of, of being left alone. Maybe you have a fear or anxiety about things. You need to take promises like Hebrews where it says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You need to trust in those promises of God. And you need to draw close to those scriptures because he's not a man that he's going to lie to you. If he says it, he's going to do it. He's going to fulfill it. Keep that in mind. Do those verses not help you with whatever devotionally you're going through in life? Are any of you walking with God? Or just give me a head nod. You don't even need to say amen. Just give me a head nod. Yeah? 
Those verses not help you in life? Okay, take this verse to the bank as well. Psalm 12, verse 6. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. What does that mean? We'll get to that in the weeks to come. Verse 7. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt what? Yeah, a lot of talk about inspired. A lot of talk about inerrant. A lot of talk about infallible in a lot of churches' websites. Only two did I find anything about preservation. The words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times, thou shalt keep them, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Now, context clues, those of you English students. Thou shalt preserve them. Thou shalt keep them from this generation forever. What are the them? What's he preserving? And you get that from what? The context. Verse 6. NIV. Verse 7. You, Lord, will keep the needy safe and will protect us forever from the wicked. New Living Translation. Therefore, Lord, we know you will protect the oppressed, preserving them forever from this lying generation. You, O Lord, ESV, will keep them. You will guard us from this generation forever. Oh, but hey, look, it says that the Lord's going to keep them, meaning the words of verse 6. Yeah, but how long? doesn't say how long. You could use that verse and say he kept them in the original texts. Because in the second half of that verse, you will guard us from this generation forever. We're switching from the word of God here to now people. Where do you get that from? CSB, you, Lord, will guard us. You will protect us from this generation forever. Just for, for fun, I went ahead and threw a few more verses in there. NASB. You, Lord, will keep them. You will protect him from this generation forever. NASB 95, 1995, who knows? You, O Lord, will keep them. You will preserve him from this generation forever. Living Standard Bible, a Bible that's been uh, uh, endorsed by John MacArthur and I believe Alistair Begg, a couple of Calvinists. You, O Yahweh. Boy, everybody loves throwing that word around, don't they, Phil Wickham? I don't know. I don't know if that was the case. Is he? Never heard that. You owe Yahweh. Well, it's not just him. It's everybody else who's doing it now because they're just jumping on the bandwagon. By the way, it's Jehovah, not Yahovah. That's where they get Yahweh from. They say it's a, well, it could be a soft J there. I speak English, fool. It's J. It's not Jan the Baptist. We didn't just get done on Wednesday studying the book of James. Don't say Yahweh. You say Yahweh. Makes it sound like hitting noises for someone listening there. Anyways, you, O Yahweh, will keep them. You will guard him, him, from this generation forever. The RSV. That's the Revised Standard Version of 1881. That's the thing that kicked this whole thing off. Do thou, O Lord, protect us, guard us ever from this generation. Things that are different can't be the same. 
God said he was going to do what he's going to do, or he's a liar. Holy stinking smokes, is it late? So listen, you have Deuteronomy 4.2, Proverbs 30, verses 5 and 6, and Revelation 22.19. The beginning of your Bible, towards the beginning of your Bible, the middle of your Bible of Proverbs 30, at the very end of your Bible, Revelation 22, God's warning. Do not add to my words. Do not take away from my words. Just because someone says they have a final authority, just because somebody can send you a link to their church's website that says, we do have a final authority of Scripture, doesn't make it so. Just like someone who says they're a Christian, doesn't make it so. You can tell by their fruit. You can tell by their works. James chapter 2. The same principle applies with final authority. 